0: Hey this is Nick Walters with the Industrial Hemp Growers Digest and our webinar Wednesday recording we did with Cole Gibbs you'll find really interesting if you have not delved into using hemp for bioplastics Dama distributing company which is Cole's outfit is really focused on eliminating petroleum based plastics and how you can use hemp based plastics for all kinds of products, Uh, plastic wrapping that goes around various uh, uh, things that you might purchase at the store, as well as hemp cutlery, just a bunch of cool stuff of what these guys are doing and they're really on the cutting edge of this and as always we are trying to make sure that we are giving you really cool information about all the uses of this hemp plant and cole is uh, no letdown in that he'll he'll show you some really neat things and you'll be able to hear from a true visionary entrepreneur
1: good afternoon uh- Welcome again to our weekly Wednesday webinar uh, with the National Hemp Growers Cooperative. Our guest today is Cole Gibbs. Cole is the founder and CEO of Damon Distributing. They're based in Colorado. Uh, He's an innovating entrepreneur and is pioneering the development of sustainable hemp plastic. We hear a lot about hemp plastic and um, hopefully we'll have a little bit of conversation about that. He also, uh, the company is also in Engaged in developing compliant packaging solutions for a variety of industries. Um, so, uh, with that Cole, I will—I'll uh, just open it up, and like I said, we'll just—you uh, you could talk, you know, freely about whatever you want to feel comfortable talking about, and then we'll open it up for questions at the end if there are any of those from those that are attending.
2: Perfect. Thank you, Roger. Great to be here again. My name
3: is Cole Gibbs. I'm the founder and CEO of Doma Distributing. Uh, we specialize in truly sustainable packaging uh, for you know, cannabis industry, the hemp industry, food, cosmetics, really any and every industry. Because as we all know, um, every industry needs packaging. Even packaging needs its own packaging. <laughs> so we're trying to make sustainable solutions for really anybody in any sector to make that switch to eliminate plastic. Um, and if it's okay with you, Roger, I'll go ahead and share um, a little slide deck here that'll give you guys some more
1: information
3: on what we were doing.
1: Okay, I've got that. Hang on just a second. Okay, there we go. it be working for you now. Perfect.
2: Perfect,
1: and you guys see this all right? Yeah, you may may blow that up, expand that a little bit. Perfect. Oops.
2: I don't know where I went wrong, but there we go. And there we are. All right.
3: Everybody can see this. So, like I saying our, our mission is to eliminate petroleum plastic waste across the globe uh, by offering sustainable solutions to the problem. Uh, So what is the problem? Obviously, it is um, similar use plastic waste. Um, The cannabis and hemp industries are definitely not the only ones in this issue. Um, Everybody uses packaging, some of it, um, for a few seconds or a few minutes, and then it gets tossed away. So right now, about every 60 seconds, about 700 tons of plastic is generated worldwide. 91% of that is never recycled. It ends up in a landfill, it's incinerated, or shipped overseas. And due to federal regulations and state regulations, Um, The cannabis industry has a lot of plastic packaging for their products and the recycling facilities actually don't take cannabis packaging because it has touched cannabis and now it's a federally controlled substance and they don't want to get their hands in that mix when it comes to handling federally controlled substance because
2: they're not licensed or regulated Uh, to. Here in Colorado we have over a thousand dispensaries a year. I'm um, just here in the state of Colorado, and like I was talking
3: about the recycling facilities or the MRFs, MRFs um, there is no market for number three, four, five, six, or seven plastics. Um, so all of that's actually incinerated or shipped overseas, and it's everywhere. Um, in California, they sold over five fifty-three, sorry, fifty-three million pieces of
2: flour packaging just for California alone. So this is what. They found, the US Geological Survey
3: actually found microplastics in the rainwater here in the Rocky Mountains. So it is a worldwide problem. So what do we do to actually solve this problem? The solution is offering sustainable, hemp plastic, plant-based plastic alternatives um, that don't require commercial composting to break down. Uh, Most commercial facilities won't take bioplastics to break down anyways. So being able to throw this in your backyard compost Using the the hemp biomass that is currently available to create these products and create new products um, going forward, not just plastics, but paper and concrete and uh, fabrics and everything in between. Because uh, there's great benefits to the hemp plant. It's carbon negative. It grows significantly quicker than trees do. You provide the same resources wood, and, uh, paper, and it can actually help regenerate the soil. It doesn't strip the soil. And it also doesn't require any or very little pesticides to grow as well. So a lot of people ask me, you know, is it worth it to make the switch to sustainable packaging or sustainable goods or making this kind of switch from plastic? And it is. You can greatly
2: benefit from it as a business. Um, NYU did a study and they found... too. So using hemp plastics and hemp paper um, to create these alternatives
3: for products that consumers are already looking for. This is a great way to solve these massive plastic problems that we have. So some of the products we create are home compostable hemp plastic containers, uh, CR certified, um, pre-roll tubes as well that are CR certified, then everything from tins to glass, really everything seed to concentrate packaging for both hemp and cannabis, we have sustainable solutions for. That we can use with direct printing for water-based inks for full customization or use any one of our eco-friendly labels and then we ship everything um, UPS carbon neutral as well to lower that footprint. So like I was saying before the commercial facilities don't really like taking bioplastics to break down so we want to make sure all of our products would break down by themselves or in your backyard compost. So as you can see on the right hand side Um, Our hemp containers will actually solar degrade if somebody were to litter them on the side of the road in as little as 14 months. So there is no issue with the products breaking down or leaving any um, chemicals behind. Um, We do this worldwide. We do custom design for customers as well, too. A full suite of sustainable packaging, trying to be that one-stop shop for the cannabis and hemp industry, and really anybody that needs sustainable packaging options. We do a lot of that here in the U.S. Um, our hemp containers, labels, pre-roll tubes are all made here in the U.S. as well as our, the hemp paper and hemp fabrics that we work with as well. Um, so we're part of a lot of different coalitions and groups um, to help solve these problems and kind of bring everyone together. i member of the Global Hemp Association as well, too, to help bring more and more people into the industrial side of hemp more than anything and creating these. Um, consumable products or building materials or paper or everything in between
2: um, that this plant can actually provide. So those are kind of our references, but that is what we do on a kind of a,
3: in a nutshell, we're also producing um, the world's first and only 100% hemp-derived bioplastic that will be backyard compostable and ocean degradable as well too. So anybody that uses traditional polypropylene and plastics like that for injection molding purposes could make this switch over to this new hemp bioplastic so we're going to be looking for a lot of biomass uh, both micronized and dried so that we can use it for this
2: new application as well too okay
0: that's
1: great um can you talk a little bit about the uh the process or what Inputs do you need to produce plastics from hemp? I guess kind of give a little bit of a background oh, on um, on that process to the extent that you can.
3: Sorry, I lost you there for a second.
1: We were talking about how, what, what parts of the hemp plant? How, how, how is that processed to achieve a a hemp plastic? What, what are the inputs needed for that? Yeah, for us, it actually doesn't matter.
3: We can use root to tip, the whole plant, everything in between, herd, stock. It doesn't matter for us. Uh, We can use all of it. Uh, We prefer it to be dried and micronized, uh, you know, 250 microns or smaller uh, for the application, but we can use the entire plant. We can even use um, extracted content. So if it's been extracted for CBD or concentrates, we can still use that leftover biomass for our new hemp plastic.
1: So you prefer a dried, basically a pulverized uh, product that comes to your facility, right, To uh, and then go from there. That's what I'm, yeah, so it doesn't really matter the, the variety of hemp uh, or anything like that.
2: No, nope, we're, we're not strain specific
3: or anything like that, really root to tip. Anything, we'll take all of It doesn't matter to us. Um, we prefer it you know, micronized, but if not, we're looking into bringing in that kind of equipment in-house as well too, and some decortication as well, so that we can bring in all the available biomass because we know that not everyone has that type of equipment as well.
1: okay. And right now, your 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 primary, I guess your primary supply is coming from in state in Colorado.
2: We
3: do get it some from here in Colorado. Um, we as well as on the west coast kind of the oregon um, washington area as well too Uh, we plan on opening several of these new bioplastic facilities across the country so that we can bring in the available biomass instead of shipping stuff all over the country um, and being able to produce more and more of this material. so uh, so that you know right now it's pretty much waste Uh, most people only want that top 10 percent of the plant and the rest of it's just run away composted burned or um you know, sent to a landfill so we want to be able to use all of that material um, and also work with other companies to use parts of it that we wouldn't normally use if it would work better for you know, a fiber for a textile then that's where we need to send it um if it would work better for a wood um then that's where we need to send it um if it's you know leftovers and there's really no use for it otherwise that's the kind of stuff that we want we want all of that that would normally just be thrown away
1: yeah that that's kind of the in the space that I'm in we're we're looking at bio biofuels of converting it to a gas and then converting that gas to to transportation to a bio crude or diesel or jet fuel or whatever right and so that's kind of the same model that we're looking at in terms of Maybe it's decorticated, and we take the twenty percent or so of fiber that's produced uh, to a to a you know to a textile or some other product, and then all the and other waste material we take to the to the gas. You now, so for our for our purposes, it's bulk, right? The more acre, right? That that's that's what we're looking for. But it sounds like yours have a similar model, on that. That basically you can take any any part of it, any part of the plant, any and any variety, and I, I think that's that's the kind of things we need to be looking at. I think in terms of long-term sustainable uh, growth of the industry. You know, we look beyond yeah. the products and those, and we look to the plastics and the fuels and the more industrial and chemical applications uh, of of the plant to. Uh, to give us some sustained growth for the that that will benefit those who want to grow. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, and
3: being able to use these leftovers, um, where the even the farmer, let's say, could grow for seed or for um, fiber or what have you, they're still not going to use all of that plant, anyways. There's still going to be leftovers. Um, there really isn't any product that uses. The entire plant from root to tip—it's um, all used for all these different parts, and that's the beauty of the plant: is it can be used for all of these different yeah. things. Um, yeah. So, bringing everyone together and saying, "Hey, you do your fabrics, you do your concrete, we'll do plastics, and you do your ethanol and fuel," and kind of using as much of this material as we possibly can, because there are millions of pounds, millions and millions of
1: pounds going to waste every single month. Absolutely, I, I agree. Um, right. so I guess in terms of you're, you're talking about a more of a distributed model of, of expansion into other parts of the country as a states, I think that's smart because, uh, the great enemy of biomass in any form is transportation.
2: <laughs> right.
1: Go broke. There's a lot of air and water that you move around. And that, that, that's a, that's a smart. I think a smart model. And, and again, similar to what we're looking at for several several projects related to energy development of having a, kind of a distributed network of facilities. So I think that's a great idea. And it gets you right there with the farmer and the grower, wherever you may be, to, to serve that facility
3: yeah, definitely. because as, as this becomes more and more widely accepted and used, uh, both hemp and cannabis across the country, um, they need an outlet for this material. Um, so a lot of farmers pay to get rid of it. Um, and we don't want that. We want you know there to be an outlet to be you know either free to them or down the road eventually pay them for this material, especially if it's been processed and micronized. of course, that's a now a consumable, you know, valuable product. Whereas a bunch of hemp stock just laying in a field really isn't a valuable product. There's no value to it. So um, being able to bring all of that together, you know, all over the country, because um, this plant it will grow pretty much anywhere. <laughs> so
2: um, really anybody can grow it. And obviously there's a lot of people that are um, using it as rotational crops now. All the equipment that's on the farm that grew the hemp in the first place. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I think.
1: Uh, yeah, so we have a question from Michael. How, how long do you think it'll be before the uh, widespread adoption of hemp-derived plastic and water and soda bottles?
2: That comes down to the
3: technology um, right now bioplastics, especially hemp-derived bioplastics that are
2: truly
3: sustainable. um, The polymer structure really isn't designed for blown molded injection, which is what most water bottles are, how they're created. Uh, Our material is designed for injection molding purposes. We are working on some options for a hemp water bottle to solve that problem, a couple different ideas. Um, If you want to look at something comparable, there's a company called co bottles out of California. They've been trying to do this for years, um, to create a, basically a home compostable, uh, ocean degradable water bottle. Um, and they've had a lot of challenges to create a 100% bottle out of this similar polymer technology and they're still running into issues to create it. So I think it really comes down to the technology, um, more than anything, uh, widely accepted. There's a lot of water bottle companies and Coke and Pepsi that are already going down this road and looking for alternatives. It's really nobody provided the solution.
1: Yeah, and you know it's a it's a, from my limited knowledge uh, of that, um, th- they're a big ship, and it it's like turning a ocean vessel. You just don't. It's not a bass boat. It's <laughs> and it takes long long. You know, long turns uh, in their planning. But number two, that that plastic, while widely produced for those bottles, are, is a very specific type of plastic, and uh, that's their that's their need. They, we have to get to that specific chemical composition or whatever you want to call it of that of that bottle, and that's not easily achieved for whatever reason. And again, that's a long decision-making process. I know there's been some effort that converting waste plastic out of landfills um, and, uh, in, in years past. And there's not a widespread adoption of that recycled plastic uh, mm-hmm. because of the source of which where it comes from. Um, I mean, it's sterilized uh, as much as anything else, but there's just, I guess, this idea in their mind, <laughs> of a water bottle coming out of a garbage can or something being reused,
2: um,
3: right? And it's that much more expensive uh, recycled plastic is that much more expensive than virgin. That's why they're everybody uses virgin plastic because it's so much cheaper, and that's why nothing's recycled. Because why would I pay for all this expensive recycled plastic when I can get the same or better property out of brand new material that's half the cost? So yeah. that, that's part of the problem as well, too.
1: Yeah, so there, there's a it's a slow process, but hopefully they'll move forward sooner than later. And I think consumer consumer request or consumer demand for biodegradable plastics is is a driver for them. If they think the consumer uh, is dead, set, dead set on having a recyclable, compostable. Bottle, then they'll they'll respond. I think quicker. So I think it's a matter of making that known to the company Yeah, and the the big companies are are looking into it. I mean, you got Bacardi that's looking
3: at you know a new biodegradable liquor bottle. Coke's looking at you know two or three different designs from you know 100 recycled material to paper bottles.
2: Uh, <clears throat> so we're getting there, um, but again, um, yeah, turning that ship, but also. Who's going to produce that
3: material on a commercial scale, where somebody like Coca-Cola could actually pick up the material and produce a million bottles a month off of this new material as well, too?
1: There's just yeah, no. I, yeah, think about how many bottles of of Coke or Pepsi and everything, and then everything else right. are produced. They even daily in in the in the world, right? Yeah.
2: Billions, billions of
1: bottles. Yes, billions. Uh, And there has to be uh, an ability to fill that gap to transition. So that's that's the big supply question that has to be answered for these companies. Is can we meet demand? You know, it's not a matter of just saying, "Okay, we're going to do this." It's a matter of actually, in reality, being able to meet that demand and supply. intersection yeah and that's
2: where i think
3: hemp definitely comes in because of the amount of biomass that we're creating now i think it does have that opportunity to provide enough material for the demand of you know a coke or a pepsi or you know anybody else to actually produce that much volume because we are producing that much hemp i mean there's over two hundred thousand acres of just hemp in colorado <laughs> not in cannabis. cannabis is a whole other ball game. <laughs> I mean that was we did two point four billion dollars in cannabis sales last year in the state of Colorado
2: and broke a record. so Amazing. Amazing. yeah so there was a mountain mountains and mountains of material Now make the switch because if you look you know five ten
3: years ago, um, most of these sustainable packaging solutions that are out there didn't even exist. So it's now consumer knowledge and education and letting that everyone know that they do exist and also getting past all the misinformation and greenwashing that's out there as well too was kind of confusing and difficult for the average
2: consumer.
1: And that's, and that's, a, and that's a big part of this is being able to cut through the misconception misinf- and misinformation that's out there. And there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of misconception out there. Uh, I think there if is. you get past, if you once you can kind of cut through that, I think there's ready ready acceptance uh, a lot of time.
3: There is, and that's what we're seeing across, you know, the country and across the globe. And that's why we're seeing all these bans on plastics from bags to cutlery and whole countries banning single-use plastics. Um, this is where everything is moving and going towards. So the consumers are looking for, they just need to know that these options are out there. And uh, the education is a big part of it. Um, because when you do change these material types, the customer has to be informed on what do I do with it? How do I dispose of this properly? Um, do I throw it in the recycling bin? No, that, that's not what we want you to do with the material. You know, We want you to compost it because uh, we don't want you to mix it with the other plastics. So education is a big part of what we do as well too Um, trying to just educate people on materials and what what they're actually made out of um, what the end of life is and how do you properly dispose of it because you know just like petroleum plastics bioplastics there is a massive range of different types of materials that are used for different applications and they're not all disposed of the same way and they're not all made the same way you start talking about biocomposites and that's really just traditional petroleum plastic with some sort of bio additive you know 10 percent 20 percent. maybe it's just fiber that's added to it um, and it's not really another bio plastic that's added to it so there are so many different types of materials out there now um, education is a huge part of it and we always recommend have our customers put some sort of information on their label when they do switch hey this is a new Hemp plastic container, you know, home compostable, um, do not recycle, those kind of things to educate the consumer on, hey, this is something new and this is why we're doing this. and This is how you actually dispose of these products now.
1: Good point, good point. Uh, okay, we have one more question. Uh, what is the ratio uh, biomass input to plastic output? So roughly how many tons of hemp produce a ton of uh a ton of plastic it it varies actually very widely depending on the type
3: of bioplastic that's being created and what percentage of um materials actually been used in that final product the fork or anything else Um, it's fairly high depending on um, what you're doing if you're creating a pla plastic for example um, that is just extracted cellulose. So it can be made out of any plant really on the planet that has cellulose content. You're just extracting the cellulose and creating the PLA polymer from that cellulose. So you have a lot of leftover, you know, carbon material um, that is unused. Where when you're creating, you know, a PHA or PHB plastic, you're actually feeding that biomass and feed source. Two microorganisms that help create these polymer structures. Um, so you have a, a higher yield or higher ratio of return
1: than you would if you're creating a PLA plastic as well too. And describe, describe for us the difference in those types of plastics and what they're used for. Yeah, so PLA is the most widely available bioplastic
3: on the planet. You can buy it by the ton. you can get 3D filaments, Um, If you've ever seen a clear plastic cup and it says compostable on the side of it, um, that's made out of PLA. It's a number seven plastic is what they like to call them, because seven is kind of that catch-all. It's anything that's not number one through six. (laughs) So PLA, um, it's a polylactic acid. um, So it's not widely accepted at commercial facilities because it's an acid. So too much of it in one place increases the acidity of the soil or compost, and they can no longer sell that compost to the farmers that would normally buy it. So a lot of commercial facilities won't take that type of plastic, where PHA is kind of the umbrella for these polymers, PHB, um, PHBH, all of them are kind of under the PHA umbrella of a polymer. Um, They're derived from microorganisms, and they're designed for everything from injection molding. You can create flexible packaging out of it. it's backyard compostable for the most part, depending on the product that's created. It can be ocean degradable. Um, I mean, it's non-toxic. It is probably one of the best bioplastics that are out there. Um, and PHA is a polyhydroxyalkalinoid. Um, so the beauty is it doesn't require commercial composting. It doesn't have to go to a commercial facility. If it ends up there, great, they'll take it. Um, it'll break down just like anything else, turn back into organic matter, um, but you can throw it in your backyard compost and continue to use it as well too Um, so it's kind of a little bit different um, than the PLA is a
2: better option
1: okay so roughly a ton of a ton of hemp would would produce about how uh, a ton then of a PLA plastic would that be it's better would
3: that be right yeah definitely not a one-to-one by any means um PLA is going to be on the on the lower end, because you're going to have all that leftover carbon biomass when you basically extract
1: the the other types of plastics, you would see a higher higher ratio.
3: Yeah, because you're actually feeding that um, feed source, whether it's you know hemp biomass, sugar cane coffee, really any plant material can be fed to the microorganisms to help create um, these bioplastics. Um, beauty is, is they're all non toxic and uh, biocompatible basically what that means is if it goes into the human body there's going to be no reaction adverse reaction to it Um, the technology's been used in the medical industry for decades so if you've ever had stitches that go inside the body and they'll actually dissolve inside your body and they don't have to remove them same technology Um, we're just using it for you know packaging applications and things like that that nobody's really done up until this point oh okay good to know. So definitely very safe. Been around for decades. Um, We're just taking really awesome technology and using it for a different application. Okay.
1: Well, that's a good that's a good selling point for it. Sure is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any other questions for Cole? Uh, Seeing that there are no other questions, Cole. uh want to thank you on behalf of the national hemp growers cooperative for being our guest today on this weekly webinar and for those uh viewing uh remember every wednesday uh 2 p.m central 3 p.m eastern uh we will have a special guest and then host our weekly uh webinar and with that have a great rest of the week short week uh but uh, and a great weekend and we'll see you next week thank you This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.